0: Hi guys, I'm Marie and I'm Maddie and we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome. Welcome. So today we have one cat with us in the bunker and that would be Maverick who is that was the <laughs> loudest noise he's made this entire time that he's in here.
1: Yeah, we'll see how long it lasts.
0: He's very quietly just walking around sniffing. We decided Maverick, to do not chew that cord. Leave my charger alone. We decided to leave Goose upstairs because he has about an entire box of crayons on the floor that he was just batting around like a maniac when we
1: mm-hmm. left. Yeah, he's a little more hyper. So, so yeah, we're here in the studio today. Uh, it's raining outside, which is super, super weird. I
0: like how it starts to rain literally on my first day off.
1: Maddie and I finally are like, let's go hiking on Sunday and... All of a sudden, it's
0: It's raining rain for the entire weekend. And cool. I'm, and this is why I literally can't, I have feel like I haven't enjoyed my summers because I feel like for the last like three weeks, it's been sunny during the beginning of the week. And then it rains like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because it started raining yesterday. Right.
1: The weekend. Yeah. Maverick, don't choke yourself.
0: It, he's stuck. Why
1: do they all climb on that gun case?
0: I don't know why they all... Cl- we have this one gun case that's in the corner behind the door, and every single cat, and I mean every cat, that's not going to end well.
1: What's your plan there, Maverick?
0: What now? You're making poor choices. Maverick! Oh, hurry!
1: God. Now he's climbing on my guitar, and it almost just tipped over on him.
0: He's purring.
1: Oh, Are you kidding me? That's cute, Maverick. Okay. So, today we are bringing you guys a listener recommendation from Jess at 1990. So, Instagram handle, obviously. Today we are covering the case of British tourists Peter Falconio and Joanne Lees. And we are heading to Australia today.
0: Okay, so Peter was 28 and he was born in England. He had three brothers and was the second youngest, and was described as funny and had lots of friends. He studied locally for building and construction and worked two jobs, one at a bowling alley and one at a nightclub. So he graduated, and then he worked as a surveyor, and then he bought a cottage near his family. In 1996, while in a local nightclub, he met a pretty brunette, and they became inseparable.
1: And this would be 27-year-old Joanne Lees. She was known to be mature and hardworking and was described as happy but quiet. She worked at a travel company, and here she developed a love for travel. Peter went back to school, and the pair had a long-distance relationship for about a year before he asked her to come move in with him. The couple had traveled already together, but they started planning the trip of a lifetime.
0: So in 2000, they decided to put their careers on hold and go on an adventure.
1: So... Peter and Joanne set out on November 15 of 2000. Their trip started with a trek in Nepal, a bus journey from Singapore to Malaysia. Then they headed to Thailand and Cambodia. And this is where Joanna's traveler's checks and her plane tickets were stolen. So now they're low on funds and they quickly decide that they're going to make their way to Australia. Okay. And this trip did make their families a little anxious because it came on the heels of the backpacker murders in the 1990s, which we did cover.
0: I want to say episode 34. Okay, good guess. Backpacker murders, part one and part two, 29 and 30. 29 and 30.
1: Okay, which we covered in episode 29 and 30, where seven young backpackers were murdered in Belangalo State Forest. And then there was also the Port Arthur Massacre that occurred in 1996 where 35 people were killed and another 23 were injured by a lone gunman. And why have I not heard of that case? I don't know. It's crazy. And then there was the Backpackers Hostel Fire where a drifter that hated backpackers had set the hostel on fire killing 15 people.
0: Yeah, because I just hate, like, super friendly people that just want to spend their times in the woods as well. Well,
1: and if you're a drifter, that's kind of what you're doing anyway. So why would you hate backpackers? I don't know. doesn't make any
0: sense. I don't know. I can imagine, like, a fire in, like, a couple of the hostels we were in. Like, the um, the one hostel in Europe where we met Jose that first day. That one where the people were super nice and it was, like, blue-green. Yeah. Imagine a fire in that thing. That hallway, that skinny-ass hallway. Yeah.
1: I would say a lot of the hostels that we stayed at would be terrifying to... To get out of if it yep. was,
0: the whole thing was engulfed in flames.
1: Imagine the one that we stayed at, the one that was in a town, and it was like multiple stories, and then it had like the room that was like just lined with everybody's shoes. There was probably like 50 backpackers there.
0: Oh, the one where the guy the guy tried to guess my age and said that I was like 14. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the day that the really big rainstorm hit and canceled the uh, Tour de France. Yes, that was that one. And we were watching it on like a projector in this bar and it was super crazy because it was so civilized compared to what we had been doing. Yeah. And we were watching like the the bike race and...
1: Well, there was actually like a TV, which was super weird. Yeah. They tried to put their parents' minds at ease and said that they would be very careful.
0: Okay, so... By January 16th, 2001, the pair had arrived in Sydney on a working holiday visa where they stayed near King's Cross. They would stick around there for almost six months.
1: Yeah, and they kind of did this a little bit throughout their trip, but they stayed the longest here where they would work and save their money and then they would do a little traveling and then they'd work some more.
0: Honestly, that literally sounds like exactly what I want to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds perfect. That sounds great.
1: Now, it is described that they kind of were having the time of their lives here. However, a lot of people say that Joanne was enjoying it more than Peter. Peter was a little more anxious to get back on the road.
0: So they bought a van for $1,800. Peter installed a lamp for reading and some shelves for storage. He also put in a safety deposit box try to protect their money this time
1: their plan was to go to canberra melbourne adelaide darwin and brisbane and then sell the van before heading home or before heading out because they actually were planning on separating at that point because he had friends to visit somewhere and she was going to go back to sydney for a little bit or something but On June 19, 2001, a barmaid named Julie was driving on a remote road when a white four-wheel drive approached her from behind. They ended up stopping together multiple times where the driver shared speed and cannabis with her to help her on the long drive and to help her sleep. At one stop, they set up to sleep in their vehicles and she mentioned that she was looking to buy a revolver, and when he pulled a small silver one out and shot it into the bushes and asked if she wanted to buy it, she kind of got spooked and decided that she would part ways with him after this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing to do. Weird thing to do.
0: Uh, pull it out and shoot into a bush. For sure weird. Mm-hmm. So three other British tourists were traveling in their van. There were two females in the front seat and their male companion was in the back. He was laying down so he was out of sight. When a white truck with a green canvas top started driving behind them. They became spooked when it started tailing them. I would be spooked as well.
1: Well, and it sounds like he was like getting right up behind them. Yeah, like like,
0: driving all erratically uh behind them. Yeah. So he drew up along the side of them and stared at them before pulling ahead of them.
1: Yeah, and they were alarmed to see the same truck stopped ahead of them further up the road. The driver was out of his car smoking a cigarette, and as they passed, he got back into his truck, and within a minute, he was on their tail again. And when he pulled up alongside them, their mate that was in the back seat sat up, and the truck took off. It would take the group three weeks to report the incident.
0: That's scary, though.
1: That is scary.
0: Especially when the truck drives away and when they realize there's a man with you.
1: I'm assuming that they don't have cell phones at this stage.
0: No, in the 2000s, like early, early 2000s, I don't think so. I don't.
1: I didn't have a cell phone in 2000. No,
0: I don't think a lot of people did. As Peter and Joanne traveled, Joanne sent postcards to her mom, stepdad, brother, and even her dog. That's cute. They hiked to the top of Uluru, and they took pictures here.
1: Now, you guys, if you remember... Uluru, we covered in one of our cases as well, because that is where Azaria Chamberlain went missing.
0: Oh, Dingo ate my baby. Mm-hmm. Dingo got my baby. I think the this, this saying is actually, Dingo got my baby. It is got my baby. Yeah. And if you want to go listen to that, I would say that that would be episode 22
1: Maddie has no idea what number it is. You guys, just go find it. Okay,
0: what is it called? What's that? It's episode? Airs Airs Rock. Holy shit! It is episode twenty two. Really? Tragedy at Airs Rock. So, if you want to check out that episode, you can as well. So it's episode twenty two. I was right.
1: Maddie was actually right. That I'm actually was crazy. kind of pumped about that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Very disturbing.
0: <laughs> Very disturbing. And it's
1: called Tragedy at Ayres Rock, which is the same.
0: Isn't it something different? Did we say, we? Then weren't we told that we are pronouncing it wrong?
1: I think Airs was the correction we got.
0: All I know is that we do pronounce it wrong almost the entire episode, so we are sorry for that.
1: Yeah, it's a true story. Either way, no matter how it's supposed to be said, we're doing it wrong. On July 11, they met Canadian hikers Mark and Isabel— who were looking to travel to Kings Canyon and Alice Springs. Since that was Peter and Joanne's plan, they all decided to travel together.
0: Best case scenario. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: They parted ways at Alice Springs, and Peter and Joanne stayed a couple days enjoying the sights while a repair was being done on their van. And Peter called his mom and told her what a great time they were having.
0: So at this point, they're all having a good time. In the early morning of July 14th, they picked up the van. At 10 a.m., Peter met with an accountant who told him that he owed taxes because he had been paying taxes as an Australian resident instead of a non-resident while working in Australia.
1: Yep. That's kind of sucky. Like, you're paying your taxes the whole time thinking that you're doing it right, but apparently your taxes are a lot higher as a non-resident than they are as a resident.
0: Okay. hmm So at 11.30 a.m., Joanne called her friend Amanda saying that they were heading out that day. And they went to the Camel Cup races?
1: Yeah, and this is actually where they race camels.
0: Did they actually race camels? Yeah. And on the day of
1: the Camel Cup races, Bradley John Murdoch arrives in Alice Springs. He had been out camping the night before. And was on a drug run from South Australia to Broome. By the way, I really want to live somewhere called Broome. I don't know why. He went to Red Rooster for some chicken, and then he went to wash his truck. He then headed to Barbecue's Galore and to the BP petrol station to refuel. At one thirty, he bought some red plastic fuel containers. Mm, So as in, like, more than one? Yes, as in more than one. Okay. At 2 p.m., and this next stretch of Australia that they will be driving through is very long. So it's actually recommended that you have extra gas on you. At 2 p.m., he purchased provisions at the Billow Supermarket, and he left Alice
0: Springs between 3 and 3.30. At 3 p.m., Peter and Joanne left the races and went to the Red Rooster. Their plan was to make it to Devil's Marbles which was around 400 kilometers or uh, 149 miles north, and they wanted to see the sunrise. So they decided that they would try to drive through the night by switching places. At 6 p.m., Joanne pulled off near a roadhouse where they watched the sunset and shared a joint. Sounds like my kind of (laughs) night. So they went to the roadhouse for some supplies, and then Peter took over driving. Their purchases were at 6.21 p.m., according to timestamps. About 20 minutes down the road, they noticed a small fire on the side of the road. Peter suggested that they stop and investigate. Don't stop. Don't investigate. Keep driving.
1: Which is what Joanna told him. She said that she was scared
0: and had an uneasy feeling and didn't want to stop. And they saw two more as they drove. Around 7.30 p.m., they passed the Barrel Creek Roadhouse,
1: Fun fact, Barrel Creek was known by locals as a place where bad things
0: happen. I don't like that. Yeah, so you see small fires on the side of the road. Call the police. Don't stop. If you can.
1: They don't have a phone. Well, Then just don't stop. <sighs> what if it turns into a wildfire? What are they, how are they going to put the fire out? Stomp on it? I don't know. See, I would probably want to stop and put the fire out if it were me i would think it's a ruse i don't know man i don't know i don't trust it judgment call on that one and barrel creek is in the northern territory of
0: australia okay so as they're passing barrel creek they notice headlights the lights were blinding and the car was on their tail sound familiar so peter commented that he wished the car would just overtake them so pass them right The car began to pull up beside them, and it was a white Toyota 4WD with a green canopy. Yep. He had a dog in the car with him as well. They expected it to overtake them. Instead, the driver was gesturing for them to pull over.
1: Don't pull over.
0: Buck, no. Oh, God. He rolled down his window and started yelling about sparks. So Peter stopped the van to find out what was going on. And the driver said that he had seen sparks coming out of the couple's exhaust. Which, keep in mind, they had already had some car issues. Yeah. So this might not have been surprising to them. No. So Peter told Joanne to stay in the car while he took a look. He was bending down to look at the tailpipe while the man was telling him about the sparks. And Peter said, "Geez, mate, thanks for stopping. Peter walked back to the driver's side door, grabbed his cigarettes. While he did this he asked Joanne to rub the engine. He then went back to the rear of the van and Joanne moved into the driver's seat. As he reached the back of the van, she heard a loud pop and the man suddenly appeared in the window with a silver handgun and he told her to put her hands behind her back and her head down. She did not comply at first and then he put the gun to her head and told her again. She then complied. That's terrifying.
1: Terrifying. I would be convinced at this point that I was going to die. And there's no way I would let him tie me up. No, I think
0: I'd take my chances. I think I'd probably...
1: I would say the majority of the time, complying is not going to be what saves your life. And I hate to say that, but most of the time, they say once you're moved to a different location or once you're tied up, you're dead. Yeah. Terrifying.
0: Yeah, so then he tied her hands behind her back, which, and these cable ties are described
1: as, like, homemade handcuffs, the way that he has them connected.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay, meanwhile, she's screaming for Peter, thinking that he would come at any moment. So he drug her from the van and was trying to tie her feet together, and she kicked violently at him during this. And this angered
1: him. Well, I think I think once her hands were tied, that's when she was like, "Oh shit, I'm in trouble." Yeah. I think that maybe uh maybe at that point she was still thinking like maybe he's just tying me up to rob us or whatever. And when he started dragging her from the van towards his van, I think yeah. that's when or towards his truck, I think that's probably w- when she realized she was in real trouble.
0: So, at this point he's angry. He punches her in the head, not even the face, apparently. And drug her to his truck. And then he tried to tape her mouth down and she struggled and ended up with it in her hair. So he threw her into the truck and she saw that there was a dog sitting in the passenger seat, not even reacting to what is going on. I think that's when you should be real scared. Yeah, that the dog's not freaking out. He also had a bed in the back of his truck.
1: She then heard feet crunching on the rocks outside. And she heard scraping and dragging. She was still yelling for Pete. And then he yelled at her to shut the fuck up or he was going to shoot her. She suddenly realized how terrified she was that he was going to rape her. And this terrified her even more than dying. Now, the truck had a kind of canvas canopy on it, which we don't really have trucks like that around here. Ours are like hard shelled. Remember when we did the the dingo got my baby case and there was the 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 second second. case and remember the dingo got up and pulled the baby out of the truck through the little canvas zipper the zipper so it looks like that in pictures okay now she realizes that the truck has a canvas canopy on it and she starts like scooting herself toward the edge and her plan is to try to climb out the back of the truck And it took her a while to wiggle her way to the back of the truck. And then she did get her feet out and then kind of dropped to the ground and started running the second she hit the ground. Now, she fell multiple times before kind of jumping into a bush to hide. She tried to be really quiet, but her heartbeat and breathing sounded so loud to her. She started to see a torch illuminating the ground near her, And she heard the man say, good boy. So trying to get his dog to find her. Or at the very least, has his dog out of the truck now. Yeah. Yeah. So she cowered as he passed close to her at least three times. She heard him walk back to the road. And then she heard the man get into his car. And she thought maybe he was going to leave. But instead, he turns the headlights in the direction of where she's hiding to get more light. Yeah. And... After some time of him not being able to find her, he finally drives off. But she's so scared that she won't even come out of the bush. Yeah. So at this time, a local family was driving south when they saw another vehicle on the road. And they thought this was really strange because it was pretty late at night and they didn't normally see traffic on this road. As it passed, they realized it was a white vehicle with a green canopy. And then, just after this, they see an orange van on the side of the road. But they keep driving. Now, Joanne thought this was the man coming back. So she did not come
0: out of the bushes. Yeah. So she tried to get her cuffs off, but was very unsuccessful. She, however, was able to get the cuffs in front of her by bringing her hands under her feet. She then got chapstick out of her pocket and tried greasing up her hands to get the cuffs off and... This was a no success. Which
1: I can just imagine, like, now you're like, well, fuck, now my hands are all greasy from my chapstick, and I still have my handcuffs on.
0: Really? God fucking damn it. Wait, am I the
1: only one that would be
0: thinking that? Um, I think that you think you'd be thinking that now, but I doubt that you'd be thinking that then.
1: I don't know. I can't even put sunscreen on, because then my hands are... Like greasy. Yes, but
0: you did almost just get raped and probably murdered, and now we're hiding in the woods and True. I I I I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, so she was so scared that she stayed hidden for hours, which I don't think this is an unreasonable response. I mean, she doesn't know if the man's gonna drive back by, like you or, no
1: or even if it was a ploy, like he drove away, but he's really like hunkered down nearby, waiting for waiting her to come for her to out. come out. Yeah. Like
0: I would also stay. I I
1: actually think I would. I wouldn't. I think that I would get out and I would run. Who I mean, who knows? I'd want to be as far away from where he knew I was as I could. After hours of hiding in this bush, and you guys, it's 11 degrees Celsius, which is 51 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. So it's not exactly warm. She sees a truck driving down the road, and she decides that she's going to jump up and she's going to go flag down the driver of this truck. And this is about 1235 am she convinces them to look around for peter but when they find out that there was a man with a gun they're like actually let's get out of here yeah yeah and they take her back to borrow creek and of course they found no sign of peter when they were there yeah
0: because he probably took peter's body with him
1: god why why wouldn't you just leave it there i don't know about this same time a man matching the description that joanne would give police is seen on CCTV footage at the Shell truck stop in Alice Springs. He bought a large amount of fuel, ice, and iced coffee, and paid $130 for the supplies. He
0: was driving a truck with a canopy on it. Hmm. hmm. So at 1.30 a.m., Joanne and the truck driver arrived at the roadhouse, and the Alice Springs police were called. At 4.20 a.m., they arrive to collect evidence and take statements. Why did it take so long for the police? I don't
1: know. I'm assuming maybe Alice Springs doesn't have a police department. Maybe everybody's asleep. I mean, I honestly don't know. That seems like a really long time for me. And not only that, it is 7 a.m. before they get to the scene to look for Peter. What the hell? I don't know.
0: So they did find a dirt-covered pool of blood. And the couple's van about 80 meters into the bush. So the couple's van was in the bush? Mm-hmm. So the couple's van got moved? One of the things that
1: I did read in one report was that she heard him get into a car, into his car and drive away, and then she heard him back again on foot.
0: And I'm wondering if he came back to move the van. After searching the area, police were only able to find a few of Joanne's footprints. Right, and...
1: To me, this isn't that crazy because if they were able to find all the evidence, there'd be a shit ton of her footprints everywhere. But they were only able to find a few of them near the bush where she had been hiding. So they they couldn't find any trace of anything in mm-hmm. the dirt. Interesting, But
0: they weren't even out there until like... Eight hours later. Yeah. It wasn't until after this that police set up a roadblock. They're probably like, oh, wait, shit something actually happened? Or what? What?
1: I don't know. The response is very slow on this to me.
0: So these roadblocks took like eight hours to get put up. As this woman was in handcuffs, I hope those rescuers had ni- a knife to cut her handcuffs off. Yeah, right? I really I know. Hope they did. Okay, so the roadblocks were put up at the 12 most likely routes out of the area. He's gone. He's, he's already gone. He's
1: gone. We we know
0: that eight he's gone. Eight hours? You know how far you can drive in Eight hours, especially with the amount of fuel this man has? Well, and maybe they're thinking because it was the middle of the night.
1: Maybe he didn't, or maybe he lived locally, but I think that's really Eight hours. He dropped soon. the ball there. He's yeah. gone.
0: He's not in the area anymore. Right. After a few days for Aboriginal, trackers arrived but were unable to find
1: anything. Police seemed very slow to react to this attack, and Joanne's changing statements and lack of corroborating evidence did not help. Now, there was no witness to substantiate her claims, but why would there be? Her description of him and the vehicle was not consistent. It almost, to me, sounds like the police are skeptical from the beginning.
0: Did they not find a pool of
1: his of Peter's blood? They did. They found a well. At this point, they just there's just blood on the road. They don't know whose it is, but yeah, they there's blood there. There's blood at the scene. Yes, because this woman handcuffed herself. CCTV footage of the possible suspect at the service station in Alice Springs and a $250,000 reward was posted. And you guys 3 months later they would search the scene again and at this point they would find the lid of
0: Joanne's lip balm and duct tape. Duct tape. The duct tape that she was trying he was trying to tape her mouth with. Yep. So
1: Obviously, they did not do a good search of the area. No, it sounds like they literally don't think she's telling the truth. It sounds like they think she's lying. Either way, a media frenzy ensues. And with Joanne's reluctance to speak with the media,
0: speculation started to run wild. And it was something like 10 days before she appeared in the press asking for help finding Peter. And get
1: this, she was wearing a Cheeky Monkey t-shirt. And if you remember, we talked about the Cheeky Monkey in our Theo Hayes case. Which is the bar in Australia that I want to go to. Apparently, we've covered a lot of cases in Australia. I don't know. But it was really fun, actually, when I researched this, to have all of these places that we have talked about coming up in this one mm-hmm. case. So, during the press conference, she's wearing a Cheeky Monkey t-shirt. Which people flipped out about.
0: Um, Because it's not like she just put on a random t-shirt and is in a country where she doesn't live. So here's the thing. Police had
1: actually taken all of her clothes for evidence, and she hadn't gotten her bags back yet from the van. Yeah. So everything she's wearing is borrowed. She does not have her clothing.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that does bother me a lot is when people are prosecuted for things that they're wearing, and it's like, okay, well, that person probably just got dressed in, like, A, probably a comfortable way, I'd assume. They're grieving. They just went through something traumatic. Like, they're probably not worried about their appearance right now. Well, I doubt that she cares about her shirt. Yeah. She's not worried
1: about what shirt she's wearing. I guarantee it. But
0: obviously, you're wearing a cheeky monkey shirt. So, obviously, you didn't just almost get murdered. Right. So, during this press conference, she kind
1: of turned on the media just a little bit. She's not super happy with the way they've been handling the case. Which I don't blame her at all. Yeah. And we have a little clip of that conference to play for you. I've got a problem with all press that distort the truth and doubt my story, misquote me, and um, making up those accusations and stories. So I watched everything on Joanne out there. I watched all of her press conferences. I watched her interviews later on. I watched all of it. And you know what she reminded me of? Hmm. Lindy Chamberlain Uh from the Dingo Got My Baby case. Her inflection, her deadpan, emotionless appearance is a dead ringer for Lindy. The way she is interacting with the press, the way she Mm -hmm. is talking – The way she is grieving, the way she is going through everything, 100% reminds me of Lindy Chamberlain. Well, that's
0: how I get when I go through something is I get numb and emotionless and like...
1: I think I would definitely be numb if I were her. So I don't see this as super strange personally, but... But we know how the media gets. We we know know how they get. And the, the media would turn on Joanne and start to believe that her entire story was made up. And we're going to talk about some of those reasons. Her description of the dog did change, which also was something that the press ran wild with. And the way that she explained this is that when her rescuers had taken her back to the bar, the barmaid there had a dog. And the dog was very similar to the one that her attacker had had. And she said that she thought maybe she got the description of the dog, a little mixed up.
0: And maybe she didn't see the dog that good. It was sitting in the passenger seat and she was shoved into the back of a truck. Like, I don't know.
1: And the dog, the mix of both dogs, they had a mix in common.
0: Okay, so they were pretty similar dogs anyway. Mm -hmm. So one issue they had was that she said her hands were tied behind her back. And when the truckers had found her with her hands in front of her body... They thought that she was lying. And she said that she brought them from the back of her body to the front. Um, Which, okay. I mean...
1: So if your hands are behind your back... And her hands had a lot of give. The handcuffs, they look like it's about this far apart. Right? Uh So...
0: I can do it. I can do it. Oh, cramp. Ready? Hands locked. Fingers locked behind my back. I don't have any give. Wrist to wrist. Even the wrist.
1: <laughs> so. Okay. So, if you look at a picture of these handcuffs, they look like, like a spot to go around the wrist, and then they look like they have quite a bit of give in between. Mm-hmm. Maddie and I both... Just locked our hands behind our backs without even having any give. Like, we no, had, like give, no give. Just my just in if any give I had
0: like the give of my finger, my hands.
1: And with very very minimal effort, we were both able to get our hands from behind our back
0: to in front immediately. Yeah, and that's not saying like when you're in a distress situation, you have that much adrenaline running. Like you could probably like pop your shoulders out and oh, get your sure. hands. Oh, for sure. Which she did, wouldn't have even had to do. But there were people who
1: said she would have had to have been like a contortionist in order to get her hands from behind her back to in front. And I was like, what? Like, how unflexible are you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that she's telling the truth, guys. That's not what I'm saying. I know there are multiple theories out there, but I'm just saying,
0: so far, I have not seen the evidence. Next one was the footprints was their other big issue, which, eight hours. She's
1: still, well, and she still would have had to have walked from a vehicle to that bush, right? Maybe this isn't that kind of ground where there would just be fucking footprints everywhere. But you know where there would be more impressionable earth is under yeah. a bush or near a bush. Where she, which where they found hiding. the footprints. Now, God.
0: And, like, the police didn't get there for so long. And who knows? The police sound like they didn't believe her at the beginning either. So who knows if they tromped over the scene. Who knows what got messed up. Who knows if, like, a big, like like, 18 wheelers drove over that area and blew a bunch of wind everywhere and disturbed all the dust on the side of the road. Right. The next issue that comes up is that there is
1: blood on the ground, right? Near where they assumed the van was parked. Yeah. But there's no blood on the van. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sorry, but where was Murdoch standing when he could have shot Peter? We don't know. He could be standing in between Peter and the van because Peter could be lighting up a cigarette
0: and not actually. Yeah, no one knows. Literally, nobody knows where anyone was standing. And she didn't see where they and were standing. And who knows either. if he was like five
1: feet from the van. Right, because the van's no longer there for them to identify
0: where the van versus the blood was. Right. So, But that's something that comes up a lot. And what if he was bent down on the ground looking into the tailpipe when he shot him or something? What if he had bent down to look again and he, like, shot him from the back? Right. And the blood splutter then wouldn't have been on the truck. It would have been back on the ground right where his puddle of blood probably would have been.
1: One thing that police do say is that they are not suspicious of Joanne. So once police gather all of their evidence, once it's all said and done... They are saying they don't think Joanne had anything to do with Peter's disappearance. Okay. But I think by the time the police are vocal about this, the media has already made up their own Already mind. gone crazy. Yeah. Yep. And here's another interesting fact. They found unidentified male DNA on Joanne's t-shirt and some related DNA on the cable ties— And the van's gear stick. So there's male DNA on her shirt. And then there's related DNA because they don't have a full profile on that DNA on the cable ties and the gear stick. They start looking at registered owners of the 1991 to 1999 model Toyota Land Cruiser because they have that CCTV footage. Yes. Right? So they initially
0: have about 2,500 persons of interest. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, this is a common type of vehicle to have. So, the man from the CCTV footage did not come forward to eliminate himself. But 36 Weird. Crazy, right? But 36 men are identified by callers as the man in this footage. So, they have about
1: 36 people call in saying, I know who that man is. Yeah. And they're given some names, which
0: is great. 36 men, you go from 2,500 to 36.
1: So one of the men named in these calls was Bradley John Murdoch. And he's the man that we know was in Alice Springs at the same time as the couple. So they got his name. And Bradley Murdoch's dad actually called him as well and said, Hey, son, I just saw you on TV. If your own dad calls you and says... I saw you on TV. You might want to get your affairs in order because somebody else is going to recognize you.
0: Yeah, so on November 1st, 2001, he's questioned, after which he is released without DNA samples being collected.
1: Yep, so he obviously didn't volunteer his DNA, I'm assuming, and they didn't have probable cause to collect his DNA.
0: Yeah. They also asked him to participate in an identity parade, which he declined. Good call. If you're guilty, don't go in for the identity parade. Also, we're never calling it a lineup again. Never. It's going to be an identity parade. I don't give a crap which country (laughs) our episodes take place in. It is an identity parade. It just sounds so much more festive. Well, um, it's not a festive thing. Well, I'm just saying I like the way it sounds better. I like identity parade better than Mm -hmm. a lineup.
1: Okay. On May 17, 2002. May 17th is... Sarah's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Sarah. On my sister's birthday in 2002. Yes. So police arrested Murdoch's drug-running accomplice. Oh. And he said that he had seen Murdoch making homemade handcuffs identical to the ones used on Joanne. Get them, boys. He had also told his partner that he knew how to dispose of a body. And that he would put it in a spoon drain. the
0: fuck is a spoon drain? I don't know. I was thinking like a drainage ditch of some kind. All right, Australian listeners, what's a spoon drain? Go, go DM us. Tell us what a spoon drain is. I don't like the way it sounds either way. Um, Why the fuck are you putting spoons in a drain? Is it a drain shaped like a spoon? That doesn't make any sense.
1: I don't know. Okay, he also said that Murdoch had been on a drug run the weekend of the incident, and when he got to Broome, he said that he had gotten into some trouble that weekend, and he changed his vehicles and his own appearance after this.
0: If your friends or your family members change their vehicle, if they change more than three things all at once, call like an anonymous tip line and be like, I don't know what he did,
1: but if you're looking for somebody that committed a crime, I've got your man. Police examined DNA from Murdoch's brother, who, by the way, he's on the outs with, so his brother volunteered his DNA. Super cool. Don't piss off your siblings. And they found that it was a match. Well, a partial match.
0: But by now, Murdoch had disappeared. Naturally. hmm So a little bit about Murdoch. Murdoch was born February nineteenth, 1958 in Geraldton, Western Australia. His mother was a hairdresser and his dad was a mechanic. He had two older brothers, Robert and Gary, who were close, but Bradley was unexpected and did not get a lot of attention. So he's
1: he's quite a bit younger than his brothers. Just yeah, is what I gather from that. I wonder which brother turned him in or gave up his DNA. Robert, I I don't know. It might have been Gary. Gary's probably a criminal though. So I maybe <laughs> Gary's are always criminals. I feel like it's Robert. I feel like it's Robert, too. I don't know why, though. I feel like though. it's Bob. Robert. If, you know, if you know which brother did it, let us know. I'm curious now.
0: So, when he was 12, they moved to Perth. Murdoch had trouble adjusting and soon joined a biker's gang. Obviously, what you do when you it's have just trouble- It's a biker gang. A biker gang. At 12, when you're having trouble adjusting, you join a biker gang. So, at 15, he left high school and moved back to Geraldton, where he became more involved in illegal activities, mm. as you do when you drop out of high school. Mm. In the late 70s, he faced firearm charges. Hmm. Cool. Could and that be for having an illegal weapon? I don't know. Probably. So in 1980, at 21, he was sentenced after hitting and killing a motorcyclist. I wonder if it was like somebody from like a rival gang or something. Like malicious. Mm-hmm. So then he moved to Albany and became a mechanic and enjoyed a transient life.
1: Yeah, I think he just... Did some camping, moved around, wasn't very settled. So
0: also in the 1980s, while visiting his brother Gary, he met Gary's wife's niece. And within a year, they were living together and they got married in 84. I have a feeling it's not going to go well. And they had a son in 86. Soon after, their marriage was struggling and Murdoch was spending more and more time with his biker gang. So when his son was 18 months old, he had hit his wife. And his wife left that day with their son. And the couple never had any contact again. Yeah. Which is the correct response when your husband hits you. Agreed. So he starts moving drugs, cash, guns, you know, as you do.
1: Yeah. And fun fact, he had a tattoo on his left arm of an aboriginal man hanging from a noose with the initials KKK next to it. Cool. Oh, I'm going to call that a red flag.
0: Um, yeah. There was more gun charges after he shot at a couple that pissed him off. He only served 15 months for this, though. So by this time, he was almost 40. He was 6'4 and had no front teeth. Cool. So in 1998, he moved to Broome and continued to smuggle illegal goods, which he also consumed. Ooh, bad business. He lived in a caravan on a family friend's property with his dog. He changed the appearance of his vehicle on a regular basis. Red flag. He was also known to have guns stashed around.
1: So, on August 28 of 2002, he was arrested in the coastal town of Port Augustus, which is 300 kilometers northwest of Adelaide. And he was arrested for the suspected rape and abduction of a woman and her 12-year-old daughter. And this occurs just weeks after the attack on Peter and Joanne. He had bound them so tightly that they had to use tools in order to free the two after a 25-hour ordeal. So Joanne is shown a photo lineup of men and picks out number 10, which is Murdoch. Shock, shock, shock. He is expedited back to face charges for the murder of Peter and the assault and attempted kidnapping on Joanne.
0: From an identity parade. A photo identity parade? It's an identity parade as if. I like it. So the trial began on October 17th. Oh, fun
1: fact because of the high profile case and media attention, they decided to renovate the courthouse to the tune of 900. Thousand dollars, that's a big remodel. Yeah, it is. So he pleaded not guilty. Obviously, shocking. And this would be tough to prove without a body, because even after one of the most exhaustive searches ever done in Australia, there is a distance of about one thousand six hundred kilometers or nine hundred and ninety-four miles between Alice Springs and Broome which is the direction that Murdoch would have been driving and could have left Peter anywhere in that area. So police, searchers, all of this going on, and they still have no luck finding Peter. Now the evidence that they do have. So Murdoch was found to have left Alice Springs at the time and in a direction that would have been consistent with him being at Borrow Creek at the time of the murder. So, the CCTV footage of him is at 12.30 a.m. So, basically, they're saying that's about how long it would have taken him to get there. Yeah. Which also tells me that he didn't go far off of the main
0: road to Mm -hmm. dispose of Peter's body. Yeah. So frustrating. So, the jury was shown still photos of the bloodstain on the ground behind where the van would have been parked. It was about one foot, eight inches in length. Right.
1: and. A lot of speculation out there says that's not enough blood, but we don't know where Peter was shot. We don't don't know how, how
0: long he was sitting
1: there. Right, exactly. How
0: long he bled out in that exact spot. Yeah.
1: There was also the photo of the lip balm lid, along with testimony that Joanne had used the lip balm to loosen the cuffs on her wrist. And it's funny because when kind of like looking around online, I see a lot of people saying... That that sounds ridiculous, that she would try to use lip balm to get the cuffs off of her hands. And I don't
0: think that's that ridiculous. I don't think that's that crazy. I use a greasy-ass chapstick, so, like... I know. I feel like my my chapstick would work really well for that. Yeah. I use a liquidy chapstick, so, I mean... I have used my chapstick to get rings off of my fingers before. Yeah. Joanne's changing statement didn't necessarily help... But her
1: original statement that was taken by police was lost. So the police have traces of Murdoch's DNA on the homemade handcuffs used in the attack. And remember, his DNA is also found on the gear shift and on Joanne's t-shirt. The t-shirt DNA was a 150 quadrillion times more likely to belong to Murdoch than anyone else. And the gear shift and the handcuffs, it was a little lower, I believe. Okay. Okay. Police had received four tips during their investigation that Murdoch was their killer. Four. Four. Four people who knew this man thought he committed
0: this murder. That's crazy. Um, so there was a small Mary Jane hair tie with a silver clip on it in Murdoch's belongings. Joanne had also lost hers the night of the incident in the struggle.
1: Yeah, and this rubber band was, like, wrapped around his shoulder holster, and police think that this was a trophy. His defense attorney argued that the DNA match could have been due to an accidental blood transfer at the Red Rooster restaurant prior to the offense, or that it could have been planted. Murdoch said that he stopped at the Red Rooster, remember, to get chicken for him and his dog. The fact that Peter and Joanne had been at the Red Rooster was mentioned in the committal hearing. And Murdoch did not say that he had stopped there until after mm-hmm. this hearing. So.
0: Suspicious.
1: So there's no record of him actually being at the restaurant. Just
0: He just says he was.
1: Right. Yeah. But I'm sorry. He's saying it's possible that he left his blood at the Red Rooster and that Joanne happened to get it on the back of her shirt. And then what? That was inadvertently transferred from her shirt to the gear stick and somehow the handcuffs? I don't know about that, Murdoch. So the defense also presented that an eyewitness had seen Peter at a petrol station the week after he went missing. Sure. But police were unable to substantiate this sighting. So basically the defense is saying, well, Peter's not even dead. Look, somebody
0: saw him at a petrol station a week later. So it would also come out that Joanne had an affair Why the couple was in Sydney. Right. So, you know, that always gets real nice and muddy. Well, I think
1: the media already hates her, and so I think this was just like, oh, and look what else she did. What do they think? That she killed Peter, dumped his body, faked the whole attack— for what reason? Like, to what end? And also, might I also suggest that maybe her memory was suffering because they had been smoking a joint a couple hours before the attack happened? Maybe. Murdoch actually took the stand in his own defense,
0: which... That always makes really good.
1: Never. Never does that ever go well.
0: So, on December 13th, 2005, so four and a half years after the attack, the jury deliberated for eight hours... He was found guilty in a unanimous verdict and was sentenced to life with a non-parole period of 28 years. Yep, and
1: here is Joanne's audio after the verdict.
0: I'm obviously delighted with
1: the unanimous verdict given here today. The past four years have been very traumatic for myself and for the Falconia family, and to see justice done today is a great burden for us all. I would like to thank the judge and jury for their careful consideration Patience and dedication. Finally, I would like Bradley John Murdoch to seriously consider telling me, Joan and Luciano, and Pete's brothers what he has done with Pete. Luciano, what were your feelings when that guilty verdict was laid out? Extremely happy. That's very, very happy. Indeed. This has been a very long and difficult period for all of us. And the most important thing to my family now is to find Peter's body. So it was after the trial that it was revealed that Murdoch had previously been charged and acquitted with aggravated sexual assault on the mother and daughter in South Australia. Yeah, that
0: we talked about earlier.
1: Right. So he was actually acquitted of those charges. Someone after that was like, oh, whoops. Oh, okay. On December 12, 2006, Murdoch appealed against his life sentence in the
0: Supreme Court, and his appeal was dismissed. So, ironically, in 2006, the Bulletin reported that Murdoch was claiming to be allergic to chicken and refused to eat it while incarcerated. Which, his, his big defense was that his blood had transferred. Via getting chicken for him and his daughter.
1: Right. Yeah, and because of this, you guys, he actually has a standing medical certificate at Darwin Maximum Security, where he also has a prison dietitian that is assigned to create a special menu just for him. What the fuck? I'm sorry, what? Now, there is an author named Keith Allen Noble who insists that Murdoch is innocent. And offers a reward of $25,000 to anyone who can prove that Peter Falconio is still alive. He even wrote a book in 2011 on the topic. There are so many people that think that he is innocent. And I really feel like this comes down to the way they feel about Joanne.
0: His dad called him. His dad called him and said, Hey, son, I saw you on TV.
1: But there's people who are saying, even if he was in the area, even if he was doing his drug run, he didn't have anything to do with Peter disappearing, which I don't know. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But in April of 2017, the NT News received an anonymous letter claiming that Murdoch had cut Peter's body into pieces and placed it into two large garbage bags and then had An associate dissolved the remains in acid and disposed of them in the Swan River in Perth. But the associate had instead gone past Geraldton and buried the bags unopened in remote Western Australia. But nothing came of this. So I doubt that's legit. Joanne did do an interview with Martin Bashire, and she was paid £50,000 for this. And this is really the first major interview that she does. And I'm not sure that it does her any favors. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's because she comes off exactly the same. Yeah. That she does previously. Yeah. And people ripped apart this interview with, like, all the tells for why she's guilty Mm -hmm. and why she's lying and nostril flares and all of that stuff ripped it apart. I don't know. When I'm watching it, I really I just keep thinking of the Chamberlain case, honestly. Yeah. And I think maybe if they find Peter Falconio's body, I think that maybe that might change this because Joanne did not have a gun that they know of or access to a gun. So if they find Peter Falconio's body and he has been shot, yeah, and disposed of in the terrain that Murdoch would have traveled through because her and Peter didn't necessarily travel that route, right? So it would have had to have been Murdoch that left it there. So I don't know. I'm still hoping that that happens. Not to clear her. I don't, I'm not saying she's innocent or guilty. I really don't know. But I do think that she has been crucified by the media and I would have trouble believing that Murdoch was not responsible or at least capable of committing this murder. Yeah. I mean, think about the two girls that he was acquitted for. That he was acquitted of those charges. Not only that, but the other vehicle. Oh, yeah. yeah. That a vehicle matching him and his vehicle pulled up to in kind of the same manner that he did with Peter and Joanne. Not only that, but he's also on drugs. He's taking speed to stay awake. He's smoking pot to go to sleep. I mean, he's driving for days at a time. In 2016, the Northern Territory government even brought in a no-body, no-parole law aimed at pressuring Murdoch to reveal the location of Peter, but he refuses to cooperate. Okay, so some of the theories out there is that Peter left to start a new life. The main grounds for this is that he owed taxes.
0: I don't know about this because he was already paying taxes. He just was paying the wrong taxes, so he had to just... I can't imagine it would have been
1: a substantial enough amount that he would need to disappear or fake his own death.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that more likely that it would be if he wasn't paying taxes at all and then they were coming for him for all the taxes that he would disappear, but he was already like... And what? Joanne's involved
1: in it and hasn't said anything all these years? Or... Do people think that he conspired with Peter to make it look like he killed him? Yeah. Maybe Joanne was never going to die. Maybe she was going to be left alive to be the witness to this whole thing. And maybe him and Murdoch were in on it. But if that were the case, I feel like Murdoch would have been like, okay, now that you're putting me in jail for his murder, he's alive. We were in on it together.
0: And Murdoch never does that. Yeah. Why would Murdoch go to prison? exactly
1: so i mean i don't know about that joanne lee's also wrote a book called no turning back i didn't read it i haven't read it but if you want to know more about the story you could probably read either of those books they're probably gonna contradict each other a lot yeah we're gonna go over to bunker talk and give our opinion on what we think happened or who's guilty or not guilty in this case but before we do that, we have some new Patreons. So we have Susie Zick. Hi, Susie. Welcome to Patreon. We have Linda Boatwright. Hi, Linda. Welcome. Oh, Lydia. It's Lydia. Oh. Sorry, Lydia. Lydia Boatwright. Yes. Hi, Lydia. Welcome to Patreon. We're so happy to have you. And then we have Aaron Becker. Welcome, Aaron. And Sydney McCain? McKay. McKay. Mac-
0: McKick. Sydney McKick. Mackeck,
1: Makek. Makak? Makek. Makak? Mackeck. I don't know. Makic. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to Patreon. We're so happy to have you. So, yeah, thank you to all of our Patreons who have supported us. We really, really appreciate you guys. If you haven't been to Patreon, if you haven't checked out our bonus footage from our trip to L.A. to cover... The Rene Compion case. Go and do that. Yeah. There's lots of fun stuff in there. Anyway, yeah. So thank you guys so much
0: for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Follow us on the social medias. Check out our Patreon. We have merch also. I feel like we do not talk about our merchandise enough. I always forget about our merchandise. We... We have a link in our Instagram. If you go to our Instagram, it's a link in our bio, which will take you to Patreon if you need it, which will take you to our merch. It'll take us it'll take you to literally anything you could need. Oh yeah. So if you don't have social media
1: or you don't have Instagram, we'll put a link of our merch in the notes of this episode. Yeah.
0: So we have sweatshirts, fanny packs, phone cases, coffee cups. We're working on getting a black sweatshirt out there. <laughs>
1: It's complicated, okay? We're working on it. But we're
0: sorry. <laughs> it's complicated. All
1: right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you not next week. We are actually taking the last two weeks of this month off because it's a five-week month, and we have a big two-parter coming up on our Patreon episode, so we're going to be doing that for the next two weeks. Yes. So if you need more material, go back and listen to some of our older episodes, or come check us out on Patreon.
0: and. I think we should do something where if we get enough people that order merch, we'll put out like a bonus. Ep- like we'll put take one of our Patreon episodes and post it to our regular Ooh, episodes. Interesting. So if you're going to order your merch, order your merch in September. Because if we get set amount of merchandise purchased in this month, then we'll release one of our Patreon episodes. And we'll let our Patreons vote on which episode they think we should release
1: to everybody. Boom!
0: When, when. So, if you order order your merch, so in the month of September, if we can double the we'll say, of, we'll say from now until the end of September. Yes. So, from now until the end of September, if we... If you guys can help us double our merch sold, so that's literally like 20 people buying an item, by the way. It's not that big. We've only sold 20 it's items, not you guys. that
1: amount. Don't get too excited. Yeah. Here. yeah. So,
0: that's what we want to do. We want to sell more merch. So, if Twenty people order merchandise in from now until the end of September. We, or
1: or if five
0: people order multiple items. I mean, whatever. Whatever it is. <laughs> we just twenty we need twenty units sold by the end of September. Then we will release one of our Patreon episodes to everyone. Right. One of our Patreon exclusive episodes. And we are gonna let
1: our Patreons vote on which episode was their favorite that they think we
0: should release to everybody. Yeah, and have everyone be able to listen to. But for, in order for any of this to happen by the end of September, 20 units need to be sold, which we have, you know, phone cases, fanny packs. So we also, we added a
1: bunch of colors available. So there's a ton more out there. Go check out our merchandise. Go buy some merchandise. Make sure that you post it on your stories and tag us so that we can share you on our stories. Of course.
0: And yeah, Yeah, that's what we're going to do for the month of September. So go order your merch.
1: And thank you so much for all of your support. And thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys. You're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye.
0: do oh um since we're talking about camels which this has nothing to do with camels it has to do with kangaroos but as our australian listeners i've recently seen a bunch of tiktoks i'm on like australian tiktok right now of kangaroos going into houses or there's this kangaroo that goes into this beer garden and like goes through the bar for the beer garden and like we'll just hang out in the beer garden all day like is this a normal thing are you guys just friends with the kangaroos down there
1: which I thought kangaroos were kind of dicks.
0: That's what I thought too. But then like there was a kangaroo in this lady's house. She left her front door open and a kangaroo like just came in her house. And she like just shoos it out of the house like it's a cat or something.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Like are you know. guys friends
0: with the kangaroos or what? Cause
1: yeah, let us know. Also,
0: have you run into a herd of kangaroos? Because I also saw that on my TikTok the other day. Where this lady was walking on like a nature trail. And just this herd of kangaroos comes hopping towards her. It looks terrifying. Sorry. Sorry. I had to show my mom all my kangaroo videos from TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. We took a brief intermission. That was a brief intermission. I literally literally just watched
1: like 10 kangaroo TikToks.
0: I'm on Australian TikTok right now. I'm serious. All the people that are on my TikTok are Australian right now. I have no idea how I got here, but I am.
1: Probably watching goddamn kangaroo
0: TikToks. They just came up on my For You page. but it is, I,
1: it is pretty cute, though.
0: I do want to hear our listeners' kangaroo stories because now I know that Australians come in contact with kangaroos all the time. I want to know if they actually do, like if it's a common thing or if I'm just seeing a bunch of Australians come in contact with kangaroos. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Crazy.
0: Peter told Susan to stay in the Jo-Ann. car. Joanne? It's not Susan? Where the fuck did I get Susan from? I don't know. What the fuck? Where did I get Susan from? I don't know, but now I'm concerned that maybe I have the wrong name. No, it's Joanne. Joanne. Where the fuck did I get Susan from? Um, When editing this, Marie, find out where I got Susan from.
1: So apparently Susan is a figment of Madison's imagination.
0: So we're going to go with Joanne. I feel like almost every other case we do has something to do with some Suzanne. No.
1: We've had a couple of cases. I feel like every
0: three cases has a Suzanne in it. I don't know, dude. I don't know.
1: There's definitely not a Suzanne in this case, though.
0: Where the fuck did I get Suzanne from? I don't know. I guess Joanne's Suzanne. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess.
1: I don't know. Okay. Okay.
0: Anyway. um, So Peter told
1: Joanne. I didn't even know there were still biker gangs, honestly.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the whole bikers against... Whatever they call themselves, Bikers Against Child Abuse or something like that. Oh. Um,
1: I get, well, I knew there were biker gangs, but I forgot this is back in the day. Um,
0: there's still biker gangs. Are there still, still, still biker gangs? Yes, there's still biker gangs. Really?
1: I kind of want to join a biker gang. I
0: don't know. You don't have the right bike to join a biker's
1: gang. Well, obviously, I'd have to get a different bike or like, get myself like an old man with like a handlebar mustache to ride on the back um, of his bike. Well,
0: all you need is... Sh- I. I actually asked Shedler when he was switching his sports bike for a cruiser, um, and he just laughed. But he needs to get a Harley. He needs to grow that stupid handlebar mustache. Boom. Leather j- you need a leather vest. And we'll just like... Shed needs some chaps. <laughs> some you both chaps. need some leather chaps. <laughs>